The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Good morning, good morning. How are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and I hope I find you well wherever you are. Listening to us around the world on RadioCarry.ie or on 96 to 98 FM and the traditional wireless. Now a very busy programme for you this morning. We'll have our monthly in focus photography slot with Dominic Walsh. We'll have another episode of A Bloss of Kerry Women in Food featuring Maura O'Connell Foley, author of My Wild Atlantic Kitchen, Recipes and Recollections. And Maura has made a career in food in Kinmare spanning over six decades. We'll also hear from Tom Fitzgerald about his new novel based in Kerry called The Truth About Lies. But first... I want to pay tribute to a man who passed away this time last week, today, Saturday morning. He passed away a week ago. He was my uncle and my godfather, Timothy Lyon. Now, Timothy spent 40 years working at Valencia Coast Guard radio station. In addition to being a community activist, he played a key role in the Valencia RNLI. And uh, he was laid to rest on Tuesday. And I have to say, he got a presidential send-off. He had three guards of honour, um, the Coast Guard, uh, the RNLI and the Valencia Young Islanders, of which he was a member all his uh, life and had uh, countless successes with them. He was also he also got a county under-21 championship medal in Dublin, would you believe, with um, Clonagail. And uh, actually, he set up an interview for me one time with Mick Byrne, who he played with. And Mick Byrne, of course, was the physio with Jack Charlton in those glory years of Republic of Ireland, Italian 90 and 94. And I got a great interview there because um, Timothy set it up for me. He always said he put the good hand on me as well, being my uh, godfather. And also on the morning of the funeral, Rescue 115, the Shannon Rescue Helicopter, when we were coming out of uh, the church after um, the funeral mass, when we were shouldering the coffin uh, over to the town clock in Knightstown on Valencia Island, there was the helicopter just hovering um, in the harbour there. It was quite a sight uh, to see. And they followed us all the way up uh, the journey up to the grave. It's about a mile or so away um, up up the hill towards Glanname, a stunning location overlooking Begnish Island, the lighthouse below you, the blaskets off in the distance and looking up the Farta River to Car uh, Sivine. And then the helicopter hovered over the grave and it did a salute. And uh, this is something very special to seafaring people and people in the, uh, the Coast Guard. And then as if Timothy's spirit was on its way to its eternal rest, the helicopter um, took off into um, the distance. It's something um, that'll uh, live long uh, in the memory. And um, But I want to play you some excerpts of a documentary we did um, called 100 Years of Valencia Radio, and it celebrated 100 Years of Valencia Coast Guard Radio in 2014. So as part of being a radio officer, one was required to spend time at sea, and Timothy talks about this. 
Well, I uh, fancied the idea. I saw the brochure by Marconi and uh, it said, Well paid to see the world was the ad on it. And I thought about it and uh, I was told there was uh, about all the perks that were involved. Once the ship went into port, you were off and you were free to visit all the sites in the different countries you went to. And it, it really appealed to me travelling the world and, as I say, getting paid to see it. It was compulsory before you could apply for the job. Uh, there was a min- minimum of three years service at sea before you could uh, apply. That was one of the stipulations for the job. Uh, parts of it was glamorous and more of it wasn't. Uh, I was in Pakistan and India and places and there was a lot of poverty there. But uh, South Africa was a beautiful place. Canada, I was in Canada for three years off and on. And I was in the States down in Richmond, Virginia. I was all over Europe, all over the Mediterranean. I was uh, Spain, Portugal, Greece, and North Africa, Ceuta, just across from Gibraltar, and Fax in Tunisia. And of course, I went through the Suez Canal 10 days before uh, the Middle East War, 1967. And uh, several British ships and other partnerships ships got stuck in the canal, and they were, they were there for years. When the 1967 Middle East War broke out, they were all held up and, and remained there. The crews had flown home eventually. Oh, was very important. Uh, we, you know, we got an idea how all the communications were done all over the world. The other radio stations, how they operated. You see, we were always communicating with uh, Coast Guard stations. And uh, it gave us a, a great insight into what happened to the Coast Guard. Now, there were many tragedies at sea during Timothy's time, as you can imagine, over a 40-year spell. And Timothy talks about them here. Uh, there were several uh, disasters during my time, uh, uh, such as the Arinia disaster and the Big Cat in Villager Lighthouse. But the one that sticks out in my mind is the Fastnet Race of 79. There was 315 yachts taking part, and uh, a storm blew up without warning, and an awful lot of them got into difficulty, and there were 15 people lost. And it was a very busy night for the station for the simple reason is we had lifeboats out all over the south coast and uh, while they might have been proceeding to assist one yacht we'd have to divert them to a yacht who would be in more serious had more serious problems now a unique thing about Valencia Coast Guard radio station is the radio officers themselves took it upon themselves to learn Spanish because they were dealing with a lot of Spanish fishermen and uh, trawlers. And uh, here we're going to hear Timothy speaking in Spanish and talking about that. Valencia Radio, Valencia Radio, key back to Spanish and Nuestra Senora de Gatrosa. Por favor, conferencia con España. Y Vigo, numero Vigo, prefijo 86, numero 23492. Everybody up there had a working knowledge of Spanish because the Spanish had no English, and uh, especially when we got the link call system, uh, we got used to the phrases and we got used to, uh, as I say, we had a working knowledge of Spanish. And uh, it was very important, and especially when you had a helicopter go out to an incident, uh, lifting off a sick man, as the case may be, it was very uh, useful to be able to tell the helicopter, or to be able to tell the vessel what course to steer for the helicopter and what to do, or to switch off their lights, or to head to wind and where to be in the deck uh, with the patient. And 
tell them the time the helicopter was arriving. You couldn't be phoning up the Spanish agent to, to convert the language uh, every time that uh, the Spanish called you. So it was essential, really, uh, for the operators to have a working knowledge of Spanish. Now, just to give you an example of uh, the rescues that Timothy would have been involved in, here we're going to hear from Timothy describing one of those rescues of Jerry Sweeney, who got into trouble. Um, he was lobster fishing off uh, Clare, and uh, Jerry is from New Quay in Clare. So have a listen to this, Timothy describing the rescue. Yes, uh, he was on board a half-decker off of Blackhead, up there off of Clare. Uh, he was out of Kilvara and uh, the, uh, the Clare Galway border and he went up for it he was on his own and he had a life jacket on fortunately and he went up for it to do something and on his way back to the deck he fell overboard he clung to one of the fenders there was a tire overboard over the side and uh, he, cl he clung to that but he was unable to get back in on account of having the life jacket on it saved his life but at the same time it prevented him from getting back into his boat and the radio was on, he could hear everything going on and uh, it was the end of October and uh, we were after having a very fine October and this was the first night that was threatening uh, for bad weather, the break was really coming and uh, the evenings were short as you can imagine and uh, during his excavator anyway he was there for about two hours hanging on and when the boat drifted quite close to an island he, he left go of the tire and the hope he'd drift onto the island which he did and uh, he made the island but he still had no communication and uh, the boat drifted off and I believe got wrecked afterwards now his wife who was working came home missed him rang the local pub and he wasn't there and then she adapted the emergency services. We got out the helicopter and uh, the Iron Islands lifeboat and uh, they reached the area in just off of Galway Harbour really and uh, after a couple of sweeps of the helicopter they spotted the isles on the man, he was wearing eye skins and they spotted them uh, they spotted them from the helicopter and they made a few sweeps and uh, when they were about to land, they alerted some birds who were on the island and they got a fair fright from the birds. They nearly brought the helicopter down when they, when they rose all together. They were nesting there for the night. But anyway, they put down the hook and put down the winchman and there was Mr. Sweeney. And uh, we told his wife and she didn't believe us for a while. And it took a while to lift him. And, uh, they decided anyway that they wouldn't land anymore uh, in the area, so they decided to bring him back to Shannon. And when I told his wife the man was safe, there was only one problem, she'd have to go to Shannon for him. She says, I'll go to Hong Kong this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's a tribute to Timothy Lyne, who spent over 40 years with Valencia Coast Guard Radio Station, was involved in the RNLI and uh, uh, loved his local Valencia Young Islanders GAA club as well. Um, like I said, he was my uncle and my godfather. He will be truly missed by um, all of us, but there is no doubt he has made his mark in this life. And, uh, and we're thinking about his immediate family at the moment and his wife, 
Pat. May he rest in peace. We're going to take a break with a more after this. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so it's time for the final episode of A Bloss of Kerry Women in Food. And in this episode, we're going to hear from Maura O'Connell Foley, author of My Wild Atlantic Kitchen, Recipes and Recollections. And Maura has made a career in food in Kinmare spanning over six decades. This documentary is a Maureen Nivehuna production. It was funded by Commission the Man with the television license fee. This is a Bloss of Curry, Women in Food, a unique eight-part series where we will focus on female entrepreneurs who have their own food businesses in Kerry. The series will gather some of the finest food businesses in the county, where the owners share a dedication to quality food, supporting each other and using local ingredients. We'll explore some of the most impressive and interesting Kerry female-run businesses today, who are truly doing their county proud. In this episode, we will hear from Maura O'Connell Foley, author of My Wild Atlantic Kitchen, Recipes and Recollections. Maura has made a career in food in Khmer spanning over six decades. Entrepreneur, chef, proprietor, restaurateur and author, there isn't much she doesn't know about the food business. And she has been a chef owner of several successful businesses in Kinmare. Maura is a formidable woman with a strong family history of women in the food business. Her grandmother was a cook in Boston in the late 1800s. I'm Maura Foley from Kinmare. I had a famous grandmother. She was Honora Crowley Hanley. She was married twice. She, her first husband died when... She was, children were very young. She had three children, my Aunt Kathleen, Dougsy, Michael, and my Aunt Maureen with Mary Jane. And then she remarried a Hanley man, and he would be my grandfather. And she was an amazing woman. She had been in America twice. You know, we hear of people going off and never again coming home. But however she managed, she, she went twice, across the Atlantic twice. She went and came back and married Crowley. She worked with a family in Boston and then she came home and when he died, she went off again and and came back home and married my grandfather, Hanley. And she was, what they did, she worked with a family in thing, but they were good to her. She was a maid naturally first but they taught her cooking and she worked in the kitchen and everything and the second time she learned cooking there and then she was famous she came back home she was famous for her hair soup that time people made hair soup (laughs) and rabbit casserole you know things nobody touches now but there you are and she was she was a great big card player as well played cards every night I think I've got that from her. I'd play cards the same way now if I could. <laughs> her grandmother returned to Kinmare in the 1930s and built and owned her own grocery store in Kinmare. She had quite a little industry going and she was a very astute businesswoman. So she operated successfully, I'd say, did very well, very conscientious. And then years later... She had a a situation where she nearly went broke and my uncle, Packy, said, look, I'll take it over, I'll help her do it, whatever. And one of the things he did was he went out with a van every Tuesday and Friday and he went down to Cardaniel on Tuesday and used to stop on the road 
give them the jam, tea, sugar. They were the big produce that time that we imported. Tea came from India, the sugar came from Africa, right along the line. All that produce that people didn't have. So you you came big tea chests. They used to weigh out the tea in half pounds. You know, it was they, they used the tea chests for a play a little playpen for children as babies when they were inside kitchens long ago. They were always utilized. Everything was utilized. And he went out in his van and bought their butter. They did a trade. It was almost a sort of barter. He'd buy their take their poultry, their eggs and their, the butter and the, the rabbits. He, he did very well. And then he went, grocery shop developed, small grocery shop. Meanwhile, Maura was born in London during the war in 1942. She returned to Kinmare and opened a cake shop at the age of 19 with her mother Agnes, who had worked as a professional baker in Fraser's Tea Shop in Haverstock Hill. I never thought I'd have a life in food. But what happened was we came back from London and my dad had been in the garage business. He had done... He did a mechanical engineering in Bolton Street, where Jane subsequently went and did her architecture, my daughter. So they opened a garage and it was very successful, with my Uncle Packy. And it was very successful because the Beetle came, the little BW. And it was, every farmer bought a Beetle. They were, they were less than 500 pounds and they'd go on any road engine in the back they were just amazing little cars so that was very successful Tarns were the main agents in Tralee and we were just sub-agents you'd buy everything through Tarns and then we what happened to my dear father was they were selling cars to a second-hand car dealer he was in Dundrum he would buy in Donegal Galway Limerick Kerry Cork Waterford, all over Ireland. But he operated with a post-dated cheque. And a post-dated cheque is not legal tender, I suppose. Any cheque is not legal tender, I think. But in any case, we had a bounce cheque for a thousand. So the car, it it just threw the garage into total, we more or less went broke. And then it was, we, we put it on the market. Jimmy the Master who was oh, the garage man can wear. he bought it from us and we then we were at a crossroads and my mum was very enterprising she had already started a tea shop when we came back from London down in Bridge Street and it was it was a little lovely little cafe she had there but the garage got so busy she gave that up and then she said to me, Morish said, would we ever try a little tea shop? So we rented a place from Gerald Shea in Henry Street at £6 a week. And I can tell you, we sold buns that time. I was just calculating it. I'd all written out for the girls. I have it written so they can see it, my son, when I'm gone. Um, Currencies, people have no idea. That time we had 12 pennies in a shilling, 20 shillings in a pound. And half crown. There were four half crowns in a pound. So we were selling cakes at the rock buns and that tuppence each. The cream buns, eclairs and everything like that, they were threepence. And we were paying six pounds a week in rent. So we had to make, I had to do about, God, an incredible amount of 
buns to pay the rent. But we did tea. Tea, you could have a cup of tea for tuppence. <laughs> it's such a different world. And you didn't do it for a profit. You did it to live. And we made a living out of it. And we did well. In 1963, Maura and Agnes expanded the business and opened a restaurant. With Maura following her true passion of cooking in the kitchen, mainly with fresh local fish, including sole, cod, Atlantic prawns and lobster. And then my mum bought a derelict building. We called it the Purple Heather. We were looking up names and I wanted an indigenous name. Nothing from America or any other country. So I looked up poetry books and everything and we got the Purple Heather. And we said, that's it. And then Agnes, being the enterprising woman, she was amazing. She bought this beautiful place. There's beautiful buildings in Henry Street and Kenmare. They were built at the same time as the church. They're sandstone and limestone. They are beautiful. And Agnes got half a building from PDM O'Sullivan. And we started making cakes. We And we couldn't stay in the other premises for three years. That was the snag. That time you could only rent for two years, 11 months. So Agnes could see. She said she had to make arrangements, otherwise we'd have had no place. So we, we she bought the place and we got it ready at a very simple level. And there was a licence attached to it. There was a famous woman who owned the whole building, Lizzie Flynn. And she had a pub. And she was a very interesting character. And Agnes wasn't going to have a pub because my dad was marvellous, but he did he did have a slight drink problem. So the last thing she wanted was a pub. <laughs> so anyway, we had our tea shop and it was very good. And then the Purple Heather went from strength to strength. It was just the most amazing place. What happened was, I think it was the sergeant, there was a marvellous old sergeant, McCabe, and he said, Agnes, why don't you have the licence? Use it. It had a six-day licence. So she bought a seven-day licence. And then we had a little cafe out in front. And she actually built a long building down at the rear, and that's where the bar was. And she put a piano in it. And we had a piano bar when no women didn't actually go into pubs that time. You know, it wasn't, you'd only go in. If they were allowed, it was in the snug. The piano bar, everything was, oh my goodness, it was a massive success. And the food developed because we had a dear friend, a man called Kevin Cooper, and he owned a little trawler. He'd arrive in with a bucket of fish. So that's how I started going from tea shop to cooking this bit of fish. I had a beautiful fresh fish and gradually evolved. Then my cousins were butchers, fabulous butchers, and we progressed into meat and became that's how it became a little restaurant, if you like. During this time, Maura continued to learn and endeavour to improve her cooking skills. I was very lucky. We were friendly with the Rhines, the Arbutus in Cork. So... Declan said I could go up and work in the kitchen. So that was my first professional kitchen, just to learn. Like, I mean, I spent a month, I'd say, with him or whatever. But it was a wonderful experience, and he was amazing. He had cooked, actually, with the famous Pierre Rouland. He was the chef in the Russell. It was a five-star hotel. And he did his training under that chef. And it was a marvellous kitchen to work in. It was Incredible! The food there was so wonderful. So I was lucky, and then I 
learned from him. Then I continued cooking away. Then I did a very, just a, an advanced course with Cordon Bleu in London with Rosemary Hume. She was there that time. And I would know how to make a lot of things. So it was an advanced course. And I did perfect, I suppose, some of the finer points of cooking. And then right through history, I was allowed work. I worked with Colin Daly when he was in Dublin and, and James McCrone was there at the same time with Jam. There, we, we worked together. It was a great place and great memories. More O'Connell Foley there and we'll return to her after this break. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now let's return to the episode of A Blast of Kerry, Women in Food, featuring Maura O'Connell Foley from Kinmere. Maura has a set of guiding principles that she continued to follow over her food career. But I believe if you're cooking, you must always use the best produce you can get. That is not the most expensive. And the big thing about a professional kitchen or a restaurant, you, you, you not don't do it. No genius is going to do it themselves. The restaurant is only successful with a good team. Good front of house, friendly. I always said, charm beats efficiency. You get some, you know, going to place, going to a restaurant, and you have this very efficient person coming up to you as much as say, you know, what are you here for? Like, <laughs> look at you, and you be kind of, you start shivering nearly at the thing. Whereas friendly reception make people at ease; they come out to relax. So formal restaurants are not really my cup of tea at all. While in the Purple Heather, another life-changing event was about to take place for Maura. In the meantime, I got married to Tom Foley, but at the time I, I met Tom, I was about to go to Cork. We were actually selling the Purple Heather before because I had decided that Ken Merritt was fabulous. I love Ken Merritt. It's my favourite place in the world. But at that time, it was very difficult. You had a very short little season not like Killarney and you had to make all your living in that few months a few weeks almost it was only about a six week prime season and I found the winter then where I had all this energy that I needed something all the year round and I got this notion of going to Cork and much to my mother's dismay oh she was so upset but still she was good and we actually bought a place in Cork Jimmy Rings a pub going into the market and that summer we were waiting that was going to be we were going the takeover wasn't going to be in the beginning of November I met Tom Foley Tom came he, his brother was in Kenmare and he was in the bank Jim a fabulous man and his wife was Judith she taught here in the Kenmare school and then we, we met we only met a few times I think five times. And we decided, hmm, I can't think exactly what it was, but there was something. So he was going back to Kenya. And we got engaged, we said, right. Well, we were trying to hold on to each other. <laughs> we got engaged. So that was the end of Cork. I wasn't leaving any Kenmare purple leather. So that was, I was lucky that Tom came along the scene. Anyway. <laughs> I said it was the day love came to town when Tom came. <laughs> Agnes passed away in 1981 and a few years later Maura started a new business the famous lime tree in 1985 From there we, we continued doing that right up until the end my mum died in 81 my dad died in 80 
And then, 84, we bought an old derelicts building from Ernst Feeland, the old school. It was an old school. It was going to be used for a laundry. The Park Hotel was going to use it for a laundry. So, luckily now, Langtree is there still. And then, what happened was, my sister, which was very sad, had a very bad car accident. And it meant she had a head injury so for she was out of action for nine months so I stayed on in the Purple Heather and I had actually bought the other place to do a thing so I had signed a contract which we never did in our lives but this contract with the builder so I couldn't stop it <laughs> we had to keep going so we did the building and then Gwanya recovered so she continued running the Purple Heather on a different basis on a daily basis Lime Tree was a fabulous restaurant it was but it was very busy and when we opened in 85 we opened in 85 we had an American market that time it was the time the dollar equaled the pound little I can remember the six o'clock in the evening because they eat early cars there was a little car park in the back cars pulling in would be full six o'clock in the evening place was full and Irish people then eight o'clock and that actually, that business deteriorated. The American business somehow went down. And the pressure in the lime tree then was immense because it was mainly an Irish market and it was always at a particular time. If you said to them, if you, today, at that time, if you suggested a time to a client, they'd put the phone down. The customer stated what time they liked, whereas it's a different world now. But in any case, it was a beautiful restaurant. It was lovely. Moore's next business venture in Kinmare would be the Shelburne Lodge, which they turned into a guest house. What happened was we bought this house you're in here now. We bought a semi-derelict house in 1990. Restaurant business is not uh, good for marriage or for um, uh, trying to have a life. It's very difficult to... And Tom, up in the morning early, that well that aspect of it was good but we'd be we'd pass each other on the road you know we were at a different time frame and then the restaurants that time you didn't get home until two o'clock in the morning and I was approached by Gabies in Killarney by Gert and they, they were either they, they, they would like to buy our rent and what we sold it in 92 while running the Shelburne Lodge, another opportunity came Maura's way and she opened another establishment called Packy's after her uncle. But in the meantime then, we discovered Uncle Packy had given us his premises and I said, we thought, well, what are we going to do now? So we decided, look, we better open. So my little dream was that we'd have a simple eating place, no bookings, with good food and not too expensive but of course you can imagine a little town like Kenmare how can anybody decide say to a friend we're going, we'll go there and we, they're not going to queue or do anything daft it's not London so we had to take bookings of course and therefore it evolved a little bit into a different restaurant from the lime tree the food would not have been in the same league and then it was more casual it was very casual stone floor well I love 
the interiors always have to be very ethnic for me and uh, I like wildflowers, I like simplicity, friendliness and a place to relax and candles and dim lighting. Oh, you know, a lot of young people don't understand dim lighting but it's so important. We had the produce, that's the thing and I believe not to do too much with it. Just three C's, care, cleanliness and consistency. That's what you must have in a kitchen. It's, there's no good going to a place if you're going to get a good meal one night, a bad meal the next time you go. And cleanliness, of course. And all the time care. I, I always, one of the things I believe in, you never say it will do. Do you know something? It will do. No. And then we did that and we were running the guest house as well here in Shelburne Lodge. So it would be so, sort of very little hours for bed. I can tell you, it was very difficult. And after so many years, I think uh, we had to, they said I couldn't keep going, doing both. And we thought about it and I chose the guest house over the restaurant. I can tell you I was wrong. I preferred the restaurant. The restaurant was, to me, magical. Guest house is a different world. We enjoyed it. We met fabulous people. But if I had a choice today, it would be the restaurant. In the last few years, Mara wrote My Wild Atlantic Kitchen, Recipes and Recollections, which is a compilation of Mara O'Connell Foley's favourite recipes, created throughout her career. We were very lucky. Eamon O'Sullivan, Eamon Mickey Ned's son, he started a place, Anchor Studios, and a girl, Natalie Moriarty, was a daughter of my bridge partner for many years, Johnny Moriarty, who had a famous bakery in Kenmare. And they were graphic, they did the graphic design, they were able to put it together, and oh my goodness, you see, we uh, one couldn't have done it otherwise, you see, and I wasn't going to go to a big publisher. It was self-published, an expensive publication. And it was tremendous that they happened to do it. It all fell together. And the other thing was, Pauline Buick was always a great friend of mine. And we, we used to meet periodically and I love her artwork. So she allowed me use her art for the book. And she lives in Kerry, which was another, uh, Kerry is my place. And it was a great connection. And there's another lady who lives here, Christine Bowen. She's another artist and she did all the little sketching, you know, the fish and the funny things inside it, which is brilliant. And then we have great photographers. Norman is here and Linda Kenny. She did some of the food photography and we're just blessed with talented people and that made it easier. And what does Maura love about being involved in the food business? I think it's almost like theatre, the happiness of people enjoying the food. And they do let you tell you. Not to go out and be praised or anything stupid like that, but just that you know they have a happy experience because you go out today and you can have a happy experience, but you can have a miserable experience. And it's the whole... It's a key to making people relax, enjoy the simplicity and the, just the care and the knowing that you put your heart into it. I put my heart into everything. Definitely. Totally passionate. <laughs> so.
Yeah, that was Maura O'Connell Foley there and what a magnificent career she had. And I couldn't think of a better person to finish off that uh, series on a Bloss of Kerry, Women in Food. And thanks, Maura, for welcoming me to Kinmare. Myself and my wife, Mags, were there and we had a lovely afternoon in the company of Maura O'Connell Foley. We're going to take a break and after that we're going to be talking about a new novel which is set in Kerry. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so I hope you're enjoying the programme so far. Now, you'll remember my next guest. We had him on, actually, around this time last year author Tom Fitzgerald. He has a new novel out and his last novel, Underbelly, which was a fantastic read, was set in Kerry and this one as well is set in Kerry. It's called The Truth About Lies, The Fatal Consequences of Deceit. Set in present day Killarney, the story revolves around the abduction of 23-year-old French law student Marie Clermont. Believing his Irish heritage will be a crucial asset in finding her, Marie's parents hire French-Irish private investigator Nashoba Nash Savary. And I presume, Tom, you'll correct me if I'm pronouncing any of those names wrong. But firstly, Tom, how are you? I'm fine, thanks, Joe. And your pronunciation is perfect. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> so, uh, um, Tom, I suppose, firstly, again, you've set it in uh, Kerry. Why Why set this in Kerry again? What, what is it about Kerry that draws you to setting your novels there? It's um, it's a beautiful county, um, and it's it's probably it's the nicest county in, in Ireland, as far as I'm concerned, uh, scenery-wise and everything, and, and people and that. Um, and what I write about are fairly dark topics. Um, so, I'm using uh, the beauty, the natural beauty in Kerry, um, to balance the the whatever the crime and crookedness that's going on in the background. So I need um, that's the reason really I based in Kerry because I think it's just a perfect spot because you don't expect any of the things that are happening to be happening um, in such a beautiful place. But. Um, it just goes to show that uh, there's darkness lurking everywhere, really, you know. So that's why Kerry is a perfect for, for what I write about. Excellent. Um, like Underbelly as well, you're drawn in straight away. You have a wonderful way of writing, like you're a few pages in without even realising it. Um, the sequence of the, the, the book, it's kind of like every day it's unfolding in front of you, which I think is a great way of, of, of writing it. So tell us about the, 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 the characters in this, our, our private investigator that I mentioned there at the start, and then I suppose the, the victim in all this, um, Marie Clermont, um, well, Nashoba Severi um, is—he was born in—he um, was born in Ireland. Uh, his mother is Irish, his father is French, and he was actually born in Limerick. So there's a Limerick connection there. Um, they moved back to France. When he was 19, and he became a lawyer, and then he wanted to move back. So he became a gendarme, and he went from there to raid the terrorist outfit. He learned a lot um, in a short time, um, and then he decided to leave and become a PI. So when this uh, girl goes missing, um, the family in France think that uh, he might be, because of his local knowledge, he might be the right man to do a job, and he has a great reputation in a short time as a PI. Um, and there's um, there's issues of trust with the, with the local police in that um, because possibly... Um, uh, Sophie Tluskay, the Plantier situation, I guess that's mentioned in as well, you know, and that's not piggybacking off of that, it's just um, it's exactly the story I was telling. So, um, when he was in Ireland, um, Nashoba was called Nash, that was his nickname, 
So that's where he gets his nickname from. So in course of the book that unfolds, um, like I say, I don't want to give too much away because um, I, I'd be telling, I'd be telling the story. No, you wouldn't have to read the book, honestly. Um, the Nashoba Savari is a top now Indian name. And the reason uh, I gave him that was because well, I was taught what the Choctaw Indians did in the famine for Ireland. They said what money they had here, and and to hugely generous on their part because they had very little. So yeah. Nashoba was um, he, he was born out of my desire to say thanks to the Choctaw Nation. So that's where his name comes from. And it lends itself to um, an interesting story as well. He's, he's an interesting character. As regards um, the girl that goes missing, I don't want to say too much about her really, Joe, because if I do, I kind of ruin the story. But um, <laughs> he, through his um, search for her, he's, he joins in with the local guards and things, and uh, there's a very few strong, or very strong characters there. Um, there's love interest, of sorts in this um, Ash like everybody else has, has problems in his background and that so um, there's like I said there's a love interest there for people um, and then he becomes involved with some very nasty criminals in Kerry our local family and the other guy is um, from National mm. so they're uh, selling drugs and things and I won't say any more because if I do well like I say won't have to buy the book. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. Um, I was just thinking there as well, where do you, like, how do you research? Um, is, is is it all coming out of, of your imagination? I, I'd be winging, winging some of it, really, um, as obviously I can't get around all the different professions in, in, mm. in the story and ask them. And I've researched a lot of it um, online, and um, obviously you'll be watching lots of stuff on television, and I said you'd you'll be following certain routine and that, do you know what I mean? And you'll be trying to actuality as you can, really, um, especially with the, the police force in Ireland, because they're, they're limited. They haven't got guns. Um, well, armed lads and girls on the street haven't got guns and things like that, so you have to be conscious of that, you know? So um, it, it would be low-key in that respect. Um, um, other than that, then... Um, anything that's there as regards research, there's a, a part of it there where one of the guys goes out to see or research that as well. Google um, the forensics, I've researched it as well and just make sure that it's right, correct. Um, as regards the characters and that, then, um, it would be really like most writers, um, you have a problem or when I have a problem, I hit you all. It with a problem and I wake up with an idea um, and I write about it. Hmm. And um, years ago, um, or not a couple of actually, 2022, um, a guy called Dr. Chris Luke, he wrote a book called A Life in Trauma, Memoirs of an Emergency Physician. Now, Chris Luke would be, he'd be a very famous guy on the radio on that. But he gave me a mention in his book on the back of a letter I wrote um, to the NH Examiner. And he gave me praise for, for actually giving him a shot in the arm or whatever. Really? But, Speaks about um, and that his book was in 2022. Um, he mentioned myself, Mary Hearn, in the same breath. Um, I'm in good in that respect. Like, but um, the reason I'm telling you that is because I used to write letters a lot um, as a way of answering my own problems. Uh, like, if I keep up something or if I had something, I'd often write a letter to the paper. And, um, sometimes they were they got controversial or whatever, but. Like I say, writers, they write about things that are, they try to do, um, 
I suppose they try to explain things in their own way and maybe if you can give a bit of advice or a bit of help or whatever um, to other people's experiences that's what I'd be doing um, and the drugs uh, as regards Chris no, he was uh, he worked in emergency medicine for years and years and he said we have um, a wave of um, problems coming down the line here with drugs yeah. and I think that's where I'm coming from you know yeah. enough to say excellent how is the book being received and uh, then finally I suppose where can people go and get it it's um, it's for sale in Polymatis and Omahanis in Tralee and it's for sale in Wolfs and Easton's in Listall and it's also online um, it's online on Amazon Kindle and Smashwords um, it's also available in election disorder bookshop, charity bookshop in there in the military. As, uh, as regards um, sales and things, yeah, it's gone very well and getting great feedback, really. Yeah, Tom, you do uh, produce page turners. Once you open it, you're you're straight away into it. And, and, and you write so vividly as well. You are taken into that um, world, like even the, the minute details you go into, it's just really, it really puts you in the scene, which is absolutely brilliant. So, Tom, thanks a million for coming on. The book is called The Truth About Lies, The Fatal Consequences of Deceit, Tom Fitzgerald. Thanks a million, Tom. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Now we're going to take a break for the news at 10 and in the next hour we'll have Dominic Walsh for our monthly In Focus photography slot. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now so we're into the second hour of the Saturday Supplement. It is the first Saturday of the month so it's time for our In Focus photography slot with renowned professional photographer Dominic Walsh. Dominic, you're very welcome. How are you? It is uh, the first week of February. The winter is behind us. The spring has arrived. Do you like this time of year? I love this time of the year, Joe, on that. I love this time of the year because there's a stretch in the evening and there's not just a stretch now, there's a long stretch. There's a grand stretch. A grand stretch in the evening like that. And you can get out and you can go for your walks and you can relax and chillax and the weather is quite good recently Mm. on that. Great to get out and take pictures and thanks to all the people that have sent in pictures because we really appreciate it and we've got a great selection. Yeah. Um, We were saying in the winter though as well, you can get some incredible shots from distance, can't you? Because things kind of clear away and you can see a bit further. There isn't that summer haze as such that you get with warmer temperatures. You do, yes, yeah. Um, a lot of photographers, especially sports photographers now that will be taking athletics and things like that, they have a kind of a, a fierce issue with um, with that particular um, scenario. When they're down low and they're taking pictures and you're looking along the ground, you can actually see the ground shiver and the, the heat rising creates a little bit of a shiver and a blur on that, whereas you don't get that this time of the year like that, you know, if you're taking shots. And the thing about it is, it's raining quite a lot and the colours that are there, the lush colours that come up after the rain goes away like that and the clear blue skies because we have very clear blue skies recently and I've it's been a while since I've seen clear spies, skies like mm, that. Mm. What photo would kind of, um, typical photo would kind of symbolise the spring to you? The spring lamb jumping around, you know the lambs playing in the field? Well um, I have to say people being out and about in the evening, whether yeah. they be farmers working or anything like that, you know, you know me Joe, like I think milk comes from the carton. You're a big farmer, yeah. Yeah, like the milk comes in the carton, I don't <laughs> anything about cows, where I come from like that, you know, so like people are walking and there's a and as I say there's a spring in their step people Uh. are starting to walk cycle and get out like that and talk go along the beach now and there's people there still swimmers in the water I don't know how they're doing it water temperature in Phoenix this week is 8.9 degrees Celsius if you're attending go for a swim bring your hot water bottle with you but there's a lot of swimmers going in and you see them out there Go away. And what about April, May? Stay away from the say June, July. Stay there till you die. 
I think that's just, I don't know. That's um, <laughs> Pishogi stories, is that what they call it? Is it like that, you know? Because like we've so many people now swimming yeah. and taking activities all times of the year now. It's absolutely fantastic. And just something more females than males. Yeah. When I go out and I watch the swimming, if I was out there taking pictures the weekend, there was more females I seen going in for swims. They're hard, dear. They're tougher. Um, Dominic, you always bring in your photos from the month. So you usually bring around two photos to kind of sum up. Um, your experiences uh, in the weeks before you come in and also later on we're going to be looking at your photos at home and you did send us in a wonderful uh, selection of photos and the theme was take a walk with me and then at the end of this hour we are going to look at Dominic's archive photo and he wants your help at home because he has a photo with a group of people in it and he wants to identify them and it is from his archive so it's from a number of years ago so we will need your help with that but first your photo um, from the last month really wetlands transformed into a winter wonderland blanketed in snow with the pond frozen as the temperature was minus 6 degrees in Tralee overnight. Despite a bone-chilling day featuring frost, ice and lingering fog, much of the country experienced dry, sunny weather. However, Ulster and North Connacht saw scattered showers of rain, sleet and snow. It's like I'm reading the weather here. The day's temperatures remained frigid, ranging, frigid remaining ranging from just 1 to 5 degrees, accompanied by a light northwest breeze. Nature's wintry grip painted tree wetlands in serene white offering a picturesque landscape amidst the challenging weather conditions across different regions of Ireland and I remember this period of weather Dominic when I went out into the car and that I saw it was minus 6 I don't think I've ever seen minus 6 um, in the car but it was kind of they were beautiful days as well accompanying it weren't they they were absolutely fabulous fabulous now I must admit now Joe that's a lovely caption you complimented on it there's a bit of plagiarism there like you know thank you Matt Aaron for giving me a bit of help there so I have to admit I did kind of pull from some place like that you know yeah. on that but yes this this was great this is um this is not what I expected to do what I did was I knew the weather was coming and they said it was going to be really harsh on that I did want to travel out of town and shoot down on top of the town but the weather went against me on that and the roads it was just roads see the thing about it is and, and I keep saying to people don't put yourself in a position where you're going to make it unsafe for you to get a picture. Yeah. So I wanted to go to a location outside of Tralee and get pictures of woods and, and things like that and roads going down. But it was just too too dangerous to travel. So I yeah. stayed within the town where it was nice and safe to travel and I went off. The day before I was thinking about it, I worked out my times in the morning I should take. So what I did was I said I'd go to the wetlands and shoot back towards Tralee Bay down there. And I got up very early in the morning and to say it was minus six, I mean, it was Baltic. Yeah, the wind chill as well even it made it feel extreme. colder. And there wasn't a great wind. There mm. was a light wind, but it was very, very extremely cold. And it was mm. biting, could really into your bones, I let you know. So I headed off down and when I was driving around the town. I was actually going to go to the town park. I'd been to the town park the week before. And I got in and I said, oh, let's try the wetlands. Let's see how it looks in the morning anyway. So what I did was, it was a drone I used. And I think uh, the secret about drawing photography is stay low. It's pointless going up high because you're going to end up getting a picture like Google and it's, it's no good. You stay yeah, low. Yeah, you'd think that would be counterintuitive because the whole point of a draw is, is to go to high. high. And but you're saying to stay low. I, I, and, and I'm an avid believer you don't need height to get great drone pictures like that. You know, stay low. I think I'm up 50, uh, 55, 60 feet, I think, in this. So, so I'm, I'm actually quite low as, as it goes. But see, the thing about it is there's a 24 mil lens on it mm. and that makes the image, that's the area you get in is unbelievable. Mm. So what I did was I took pictures up around 
the wetlands and people can see it, go onto the website, Facebook page for Radio Kerry and you can have a look at this picture there and, that, and see it. And, that. and it, it was nice, but you know, I wanted something a little bit different. So I pulled the drone back and as I was pulling the drone back, there was a housing state to the left and it just had that snowy feeling and the shapes of the houses. You think it's like Harry Potter or mm. something like that. It's really unusual. And just to speak about the light, the light worked to my advantage in an unbelievable way. The day before I went to take the pictures, I sat up in the morning and watched the light coming and the sun was well up. So, And when the sun comes up in the winter, it's extremely bright in the mornings. But what happened this morning, if you look at the picture very closely, on the far, almost out of the landscape in the end, you'll see a, f- a fog running the whole way across the actual back of the photograph. And what happened was that ran across, ran around the mountains behind me. So when the sun came up and it was too bright, it actually was shooting through the fog and it gave that even balanced light all over the photograph. So it just worked out quite well. It's a stunning photo, Dominic. It's one of the top uh, top few of the photos you've brought into me, and that is saying something from all the wonderful photos you've brought into us over the years. But this is something that would be a beautiful Christmas postcard, wouldn't it? You know, because it's from Kerry, and it, it just gives you that winter um, wonderland. And like you say, all the various scenes in it. So um, well done. And the other picture you brought uh, with us is of a brave young man, four-year-old Alex. And uh, tell us about this one, Dominic. Alex is my new best friend. Alex is four years old and I went to his house during the week. Alex has cancer and his brother Noah was there when I was taking the pictures. His mom was there. His dad hadn't come home at that stage and I went off in. And when I went into the house, this young man made me feel so welcome, Joe, you wouldn't believe it. And we had a great chat because I have a great interest in fish and he had a fish, a goldfish inside in a bowl. So we sat down and we spoke about the fish for a while and how the fish was living and how the fish was getting on and feeding the fish or whatever. I just feel... So when I go to approach people on that, take it easy, take it nice and slow, especially with young people. And a tip to you people as well, if you're ever talking to a young person like that, you know, get down to their level. Mm. Kneel down, mm. sit down, lie down, whatever you want. A child will converse much better with you when you're on their level. Mm. As opposed it's to the same on interviewing, Dominic. It's the same interview. Yeah, we, 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 like, I'd get down on my knees or whatever. And I, like when I'm teaching the students about interviewing, we would get down on their level because I say, imagine if someone nine feet was standing over you or ten feet, wouldn't yeah. you be intimidated? Yes, yeah. So yeah. it is about getting, it's all about eye, eye level and eye contact. Oh, it is, yeah, it is. And like when I went in and I got great, I had great contact, I really hit it with this young man like that, you know, and his mom was great, Siobhan. Siobhan, let me do what I want. You know, and like moms would be kind of minding their kids or whatever, like this young man was independent and he was doing his own thing like that. And we were in the living room, we went to the kitchen and I said, would you sit up on the island? He jumped up on the island for me, delighted, where he's not supposed to go. <laughs> and the photographer puts up the island, my God. So up he went and I started taking pictures. I got mom, Siobhan and brother Noah in for a picture. And then I started with Alex. And I said, Alex, you decide now the pictures you want. I said, you sort this out. So he started making, if the people look again on your Facebook page, Radio Kerry, you'll see the different expressions of this young man. And you'll see his hands are up, his thumbs are down, he's smiling, he's looking into the camera. And also, he's got his favourite toy. 
this young man is a fierce Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man. Spider-Man is his, I'm telling you, he's, he's hero. And I think Spider-Man, now if he spotted these pictures now, he'd be very happy with them. Like, they're absolutely brilliant. So yeah. I'd like to thank him. And just to tell people, like, when I go to do the job, it's not all great jobs. And just before I left, he stopped me at the door and Alex, he said, you have to give me a hug. Oh, go away. And I had to kneel down, give Alex a hug before I left and he said, thank you for taking my pictures. Uh, so what a lovely young man I met. Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. And uh, there's some unbelievable photos. I'm looking at a documentary at the moment on Alexander the Great. So we have another Alex the Great here at uh, Kerry and wonderful photos. Very photogenic. Um, family, so well done to them, and they had a fundraiser. They had last a fundraiser night. last night. I hope everything went well for them, and um, it's it's great that people are getting behind them and, and helping them out. Yeah, brilliant. Now uh, that is the photos you brought in for us this month. But after the break, we will be looking at your photos that you send in to us, and the theme was take a walk with me. So we'll have a break and we'll be back with more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. You're listening to the Saturday Supplement as it is the first Saturday of the month. Dominic Walsh for our monthly in-focus photography slot is with us. And now it's time to look at your photos and our theme for this month was take a walk with me. So let's get into them. And we always love the photos that come in from Moss Joe Brown. Dennis Murray, who was having a leisurely walk about on a clear but wintry day at a sporty event in Abbey Field while enjoying a bag of chips as he stopped to talk with friends. And Moss Joe Brown again, Dominic, captures a great uh, shot there of all the people looking off at the sporty event in the distance. But um, Mr. Murray is enjoying his bit of chips, isn't it? I don't know how he gets the chips in through the beard. He's got a fine beard. I mean, a fine, healthy-looking beard, actually, to keep himself warm, you know. And the, it's a great picture. Look, I, I like Moss Brown. I like his style of photography. It's, it's kind of very close to my own. And the thing about it is, there isn't one person looking at the camera. Yes. It is absolutely yes. brilliant. The people at the back are huddled together and they're looking at something, you know, looking out as a group on that. It's, it's like something like you see in, in a film where they're positioned there and they stay there like that, you know. And you have a gentleman in the foreground with a green jacket and he's, he can't see as much, but he's trying to bend backward to get up a little bit of height to see in front of him. And again, the chips, enjoying the chips. Yeah. Great picture. Sometimes chips like that at kind of occasions, they can taste good. They can, you know, just but chips in their own. Look, it's like being at the bog. Do you, yeah. ever, do you ever have a sandwich or something at yeah. the bog or, yeah. or a cup of tea in the bog? Yeah. It tastes fantastic. Yeah, there's the city by now on about the bog. Huh? <laughs> I've, I've been brought around. <laughs> no, next photos are farming photos, I'd say. Dominic may be looking to feel the thistles as to know what's going on here, but we'll see. Hello, Joe and Dominic. Some photos for the theme, Walk With Me. Rainbow Farming is the first photo. And the second and third, the cows grazing in December for a week with a farmer cow or a famer cow it says here but I, I, I wonder is it a more famous cow Dominic I'm not sure in the foreground in number two no longer around and um, thanks that's JP and Nora O'Carroll in Causeway and a beautiful shot of the rainbow and what I like there is there's actually someone else taking a photo of it um, as well and there is the cow in uh, the foreground as well no longer with us apparently Okay, like great pictures, great pictures, like and they're square format. The only thing is they're a little bit underexposed on that. They're a little bit dark. Now, just a little, just to let people know, I as a photographer and many other photographers would use this as a discipline to underexpose and you lighten it up afterwards. Because if you take a photo of this too light, it's very difficult to bring it mm. back. Whereas if you take a picture that's a little bit darker, it's very easy to bring back up the highlights on it like that. So maybe a little bit of work on just brightening it up like that. The composition is good. 
it's a square format the turtles are there and the fact that the rainbow is there and they took the time to watch that rainbow going into the into the trees there like that you know if you could get to that you get a pot of gold at the end of it you know John yeah nice. you never know you never know so nice yeah. selection of pictures exactly hi Joe and Dominic had to share this stunning picture taken at Bale Traw near White Strand Ballycarbury West Carsaivine Horizon by Valencia and Dolus Head there's a hint of the divine in this photo taken in a rare break from the usual wet weather this year in focus is a beautiful part of your wonderful show keep up the great work bringing joy and a voice to carry and beyond Mary B. Murphy and uh, that's a real nice photo there it's almost like you could walk on that water with the gold shimmering pathway that has been uh, exposed by the sun shining down on the water there the reflection that's poetic what you just said there John. it's absolutely fantastic you're obviously listening to what I'm saying all along and you're putting it back out to me like that you're I excellent from the master. even the listeners are falling for it you're fantastic you know? you've complimented yourself for that compliment <laughs> it is a brilliant picture Mary and thank you for thinking of us and sending that picture it's absolutely fabulous and Joe's correct in what he's saying like that it is actually an iconic image because you've got, got the sun coming down you've the reflection on the water and you've got those beams of light coming out of it it's like as if there's a I like a UFO flying through the air like that. It's absolutely lovely picture like that. I really enjoy it. Whilst out walking, spotted this barn owl. Only had seconds to snap it. They're very wary. And that comes in, or wary, as some people might say. That comes in from James Nealon in Causeway County, Kerry. And you'll never really see a barn owl during the day like this. Um, I saw one there a few weeks ago in the morning, and it was exactly like the late late show owl you know though he was he was actually perched yeah. on a stake you know like uh, in between wire and he was there on the side of the road and he looked around with his head turned it right around and then he took off it was beautiful a real white one it's first time uh, I've, I've seen one and I think I've seen another one in flight just lately as well so maybe they're coming out more or something it could be something to do with the weather or feeding or whatever I don't know or James like James you, like you're an exception photographer James as you can get pictures like this I, I, I've always said I'm not a great photographer of taking pictures of birds or anything like that they just never work on that um, my son and I were going on our driveway one evening late in the evening and there was a I, I presume it was a barn I would say pure white mm. on the fence and we were able, able to drop down the lights and bring the car very slowly up them and you just stay there again he was facing forward I'd say that was the way he was going to go when he did take off and he looked back at us and the way the head just came around yeah it was kind of yeah, scary. It can be scary too, yeah. Comes right on yeah, looking yeah. like that. And he just, we dropped the windows down and took off. We couldn't hear him flying. He just took off and you didn't hear it. Nothing. He just went off and it's great. So, like, for James to come up with a picture like that and during the day is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, now these next ones are just exceptional, I think. Hi, John Dominic. Here are my three images for this month with a walking theme. Members of Dingle Hill Walking Club in reflective mood at Glountonassic Forest Park near Castle Gregory. Number two is hiking on Mount Eagle, west of Dingle County, Kerry, looking out on the iconic Blasket Islands. Number three, members of Dingle Hill Walking Club in the Dolomites in Italy, taking in the amazing scenery. Kind regards, Noel O'Neill. And these are particularly exceptional photos, Dominic. Uh, I love that first one, the way you see the reflection in the water yet there is no blue you know usually when I see a reflection it's like you see a bit of the sky or something this is completely reflecting the landscape above it 
And it's all green. And actually, I was up in Glountonastic recently, which I advise people that anybody knows of Glountonastic. It's back in West Kerry there, uh, back by the Seven Hogs. You go left, you go up into Glountonastic. It's the most amazing place to go for a walk. It is absolutely fabulous. And I was up there recently, and the water was that still. It was very cold. You could see people walking around. You could hear the people at the other side of the lake talking. It was right. on. It was kind of you know. Kind of. They'd want to have been careful. They want to be careful. Just saying about to draw like to the examiner the yeah, next day. Telling you, <laughs> so it was absolutely beautiful to go up along and to see this walking. It is unusual, as you say. It's like as if there's a mirror underneath, or it's like as if they did a bit of Photoshop and reversed the image, and they're down underneath. Absolutely great. And the two others walk on top of the mountains. Oh, it's fantastic! It's a great yeah, way to get out. Brilliant, yeah. And they, these again could be postcards, like I said. Hi, Joe and Dominic. Attached to my photos for February. Number one, are you following me? A deer in Killarney Park. Number two, walk this way in Feenet. And number three, walking with my reflection. Wetlands during the cold spell when the water was frozen. And another great photographer, Siobhan O'Connor. Um, they're kind of, um, some of them are kind of uh, almost poetic, the four in a row there. It's almost like a band picture, you know, like the, the Beatles. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. The deer going away to stag there like that, you know, that's a nice picture. It's lovely. I, I can never get that close to them like that, but it's great to see them like that. And I show up in Phoenix Park. I think they come up and talk to you up there, mm. the deer like that. Great picture. Dublin accents. Dublin accents, yep. is that what it is? Mm-hmm. The walking one along Phoenix, I like it. It's lovely. But what I would do is I'd probably make the, see, I always say to people, if you're taking a picture of a subject it's either in the picture or it's not in the picture these people walking there need to be kind of highlighting the picture a bit more so what I would do is I'd come down on top there's a little bit of sky there that you can do without mm. come down a little bit come up a little bit of bottom on the grass and you create a panoramic images, Im- image it's like the crop that you're, you're doing like that and it would create a nice image on that it's a lovely image of them walking along by the beach outside in Fiend there it's lovely and of course the wetlands which I love myself is a great place to go for a stroll Very good Deidre Mangan Morning Joe and Dominic find attached the picture that was taken in Tralee on the 17th of January the snow had just stopped and it was a ha- it was hazy weather. Regards, Deirdre Mangan, and um, that's a nighttime shot, um, which can be they can be difficult enough, you know, because of the street light as well or the light as well. Trying to get they, them, they can use and draw, again a nice unusual kind of a photo. And the thing about it, it just goes to prove you don't have to go way down the road or go off to another location to get an actual picture like that. It works. Just put your camera out the door and take it. That's why I always say to people is take it. You can decide after if you don't want it. Yeah. You know, so always do that, and it's lovely. And the thing about it is, there isn't a mark on the snow. Mm. There's no cars, no feet, no anything like that. It's just pure. It's nice, brilliant, picture. as pure as snow. Good evening and good morning, Joe Dublick. Joe, my wife and I visited your old haunts. All right, tell me more. On Valencia Island this past November, we were hoping we might catch the night sky during the new moon. While we spent a lovely and blustery evening on Yokan Mountain, the clouds never did quite dissipate. I guess we'll just have to go back again. My 58th year began on the 14th with a beautiful sunny day, perfect for a walk on the Brayhead Loop. The attached photo was taken at the Brayhead Watchtower. It has been cropped and given some light post-production tweaks. I used a Lightroom preset, and we might ask you in a minute what that means, which brought out the blue in the sky and made the skeletons more visible through the mist. That's what I saw that day through my viewfinder, so I did not feel too bad about fixing the final photo and making up for my lack of skill. I'd love if Dominic could expound on ways to work with the misty, wispy fog one encounters 
when taking photos in Ireland. I have a lot of washed out uh, pictures taken during similar conditions. Um, I need to learn fast. I'll be taking a lot more pictures of Ireland when we move there in July or August. Keep up the good work. In Focus is like sitting in the pub with a couple of friends and I look forward to it every month. How often can you say that about radio? Kevin Farmer, North Carolina in the US of A. That's a lovely message to get, isn't it? Try well, another pint there, Shamey. We're in the pub now, myself and Dominic. Well, Kevin, that's absolutely fantastic. Just to let you know, Kevin, there's North Kerry as well, as opposed <laughs> to South Kerry. I'm from North Kerry. And, and West and East. And the fellow there is from South Kerry, like so, you know, on that. It's a great picture. And I'm delighted that you're getting to use your, like, your your actual tweaks in Lightroom or Photoshop or something like that. Just explain to people what they are. Like, when you get um, a photo package like Photoshop or any of these like that, you, you have a list of palettes. It's like a paint and you can click on to work on the sky, to work on the haze. You can desaturate that haze. You can go along and work on it. But if I can give you one tip, if you're taking pictures like that, you know, on that, and if you're a little bit into it, especially in Ireland and you run it about yourself and the heat and the shiver on the ground like that, and especially if you're sitting down and you have a pair of sunglasses and they're polarised sunglasses and if you're looking out at the scenery on that and you, you can see the haze and you see everything and you put on a pair of sunglasses suddenly it becomes clear it wash it takes yeah. out that light spectrum that yeah, causes that haze yeah. you can actually get polarised filters for cameras I don't know can you get them for mobile phones but you can get them for cameras mm. you fit them onto the camera and you spin them around left to the right and it'll make it sharp or whatever if I was taking pictures of a shop window and I was going along to take it. And you, if you stand by a shop, you can see reflections, people walking up and down, mm. doing bits and pieces. I would automatically go to my bag, put on my polarising filters, and it nearly takes that away. Really? Oh, it does, yeah. yeah. On that. Another way of doing it, if you were a fisherman, you would always have a pair of sunglasses with your polarised sunglasses, because when you're looking at the water, you could actually see down into the water. So that's a little uh, light, light one for you. But I like the composition of this. I, would I make changes to this one? I really wouldn't. You yeah. know, maybe come down a small bit, but you've got that bit of cloud there and a bit of sky there. It's a good picture. There's two people seated on the left-hand side. Again, they're either in it or out of it. They're more in it, and it adds to the picture. So Kevin will be well-armed whether he's in West Kerry, East Kerry, North Kerry, or South Kerry the next time he comes. That's it. Or Carolina. Or, or Mid Kerry. <laughs> Mid Kerry. Oh, you're getting them all in. Have I made sure I've covered them? Oh, everywhere. he doesn't want to insult anybody, <laughs> listeners. Oh, my God. We are Radio Kerry. <laughs> uh, uh, there is something else I want to say. Oh, yeah, Bray, Bray uh, Tower. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. Haven't you? No. The locals now would call it Bray. But okay. uh, Bray Tower, yeah. And it has the lookout towers, you know, would have been used in um, World War Two, and the era is written on the the um, on, on the head there and everything. So um, there's a lookout tower. You'd have one in Bolas and Long yes, Bay yeah. and all the different coastlines along. But uh, it's absolutely stunning. And the walk up, you can do it all in about an hour up and down. We only did it recently, myself, my wife and my mother. And it's stunning, absolutely stunning. You're looking back at Port McGee out at the uh, Skellig. So it is a great one for Take a Walk with me. Now we'll go to a break and we'll be looking at more of your photos after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you by Virgin Media, Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. 
Now we're in focus with Dominic Walsh and we're looking at your photos and the theme is Take a Walk With Me and we always give you a theme every month to kind of sharpen the focus. Hi Joe and Dominic, attach three images for your out and about walking theme. First is a cropped image of a goldfinch against a clear blue January sky taken unnoticed through a car window. Second and third images were taken at Wild and Wonderful Kuminol, is it? Do you know where that is? Kuminol? Kuminol, yes, yeah, yeah. West Carolina. Over On well. brilliant, cold, sunlit January days. One shows setting sun and cliff face with devil's horns in the background. Final shot is looking east from a beach with a wild blue sky and cloud patterns. Best regards to you both for 2024. Michael Kennedy, Waterside Inch. Thank you, Michael. Um, that's a great shot of the goldfinch, isn't it? It's absolutely fantastic. Oh. Michael is, is, has taken some fabulous pictures. And do you know something? They're so different. Yeah, so, and it really works. And the goldfinch there—what a magnificent picture of a bird! Like that—that that deserves to be in the book. So, if you're describing the bird, because it's absolutely perfect, mm. and it shows the birds in a stance and everything like that, and it's well cropped on that. Do you know? These next ones are like something out of a, a blockbuster Hollywood movie, and the way the landscapes look so dramatic. They're absolutely brilliant. Coming all is a beautiful place on that. I think that uh, back there in West Kerry, that's where a ship, I think, ran aground one time. Yeah, because I've seen the place. Yes, yeah. It's just, I didn't realise that was the name of the place. Yeah, yes, I've, yeah. I've, I've been there, yeah. It's absolutely fabulous. And these are pictures now, whereas you need to put up on the wall. These have to go up on the wall. Listeners need to get onto the Kerry Facebook page and have a look at these pictures. These are brilliant. These are an absolutely great promotion for our county when you look at pictures like that, you know. As I always say, people, when they look at pictures like that and they see pictures taken by ordinary people, they're a lot better and they're a lot more appealing to the eye and they understand a lot more. These are great pictures. The lighting is good. The composition is good on that. And I absolutely love when the sun is going down and he's shooting along and the rock is taking up an awful lot of the picture, which normally you wouldn't do that. You'd kind of be, Mm. uh, that's a bit too much in the picture. Am I right or wrong? But it's good. It works well because there's a contrast of the waves hitting the rocks underneath and they're blashing around and there's that lovely white bright colour and what that is doing then is as the sun is hitting that white foam it's reflecting the light back up onto the rocks so that dark rock that is there it's given great composition in the rocks from light to dark and shadows so you don't realise what you when you're taking a picture you'll get a lot of help from the subjects and the water and the sea will actually reflect the light as well yeah it's very 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 interesting and uh, Dominic raised a good point there about where you can see the photos because we should remind you where you can see the photos if you go onto our Facebook page you'll see Dominic's photos and then we'll we have the link on there so you can click on the link it'll bring you direct to the podcast section of Radio Kerry's website where you can see all these photos but if you go into the Radio Kerry website they're in the podcast section in focus with Dominic Walsh and then the podcast goes up with it after a few days so if you've missed the programme you can always listen back and be able to look at the photos um, again now, hi Joe, sent you a few photos there, not a professional I'm afraid, just thought it would be nice to share with you. Thanks for the great programme, Dominic, thanks for the tips, best wishes for a great new year, Bridget O'Connor. And Bridget, of course, is a famous um, sheep farmer from West uh, Kerry, and uh, these have a very much out walking about in her daily life of walking, which is around her farm. And these are wonderful shots. It gives us a great insight into kind of watch sheep farming is like in such dramatic landscapes. My dog Lulu, in charge of her flock, 
and the next one then is happy sheep and that's the sheep there just kind of pausing really um, and then nice day up here and again the view that the sheep have I wonder do they appreciate the view the sheep Probably not. <laughs> I'd say to, the only thing that the sheep appreciates the grass they yeah, eat. Like yeah, We appreciate them like that. And I, I love the way these pictures are there because as I, I keep saying to people, as I've said through the show here, the, the way you crop a photograph can change completely how it looks. And if people look at this picture of the sheeps, or the sheep, sorry, sheep, sheep yeah. on that, and the dog, it's an upright picture. It's like a pole. If you're looking at the shape of a pole, it's upright. So it's it's a tall picture, in other words, and it's it's narrow. So it's like a panoramic turned up. And it's absolutely lovely. I like it. I like the way the sheep are going on the grass. Bit of a sky on that. That sheep there looking into the camera, he looks sheepish there, Joe, <laughs> looking at us like that, you know. <laughs> so it's absolutely lovely on that. Anytime I've gotten that close to sheep, they just run a mile. They, you know, You're not good with taking animals, are you? You're all right with no, taking dogs, though. Dogs, yeah. Dogs, yeah. not a problem there. Like that. But sheep have this thing in me. And Cows, birds. Birds, yeah. Cows would be the same. Oh, they'd have no interest in me. Yeah. Right, that. Yeah. They just turn around and walk away from me like that. You know. <laughs> Great set of pictures. I like it. The colour is vibrant and the composition, the shape is absolutely lovely. Hi, Joe and Dominic. Walk with me at night time on the Island Road, Tarbert and the Daffodils in Bloom with the power station lighting up the background. That was poetic. Brendan Kassan. And uh, we love the descriptions that come with the photos. Again, it is. This is... Brendan is thinking, out, thinking outside the box here, isn't he? He is great picture and the things when I looked at it first I, I recognised it alright at Tarbert and I looked at it but the fact that the daffodils are up there and the daffodils are absolutely lovely the colour is lovely I don't know is it street lighting or whatever what type of lighting is probably available like he's used on that but it's absolutely lovely mm. and it just shows if you get down nice and low and push your camera into the flowers or down nice and low and you're shooting along the way you can get the road and you can get it just gives a different view on it as we say with kids, go down low to their level. And also, don't be afraid when you're taking pictures of flowers or whatever. Take a high shot and go down and stick that camera right in. It's a great picture. It's a picture, actually, that you know spring is coming, really, don't you? Yeah. It's different perspectives, isn't it? That's the way you kind of have to take different perspectives. Good morning, Joe and Dominic. John is doing a head or hidden count this morning. Best wishes, Agnes O'Sullivan. I really love this photo. Uh, John, her husband, out in the yard and all the hens gathered round and there he is looking down admiringly on them. It's absolutely lovely to see like that. And these are pictures really that, that portray Ireland as is. You know, this is it. Like, this is what you do. You go out and you mind your farm animals, you mind your hens every night that and you're out about. And to see the interaction with animals and with, with humans is absolutely great. What I would do here is, again, probably change the composition a bit come down a little bit high in that sky there's an awful awful lot of sky there again bring the person out into the photo again like that and maybe just crop it in from the sides on that and remember when you're taking pictures always save your original picture as opposed to putting it onto WhatsApp and thinking WhatsApp is the way to go always mind that original image yeah you're right it compresses videos and everything doesn't oh, it it, does. you send it. it yeah, destroys yeah, them, yeah, yeah it does yeah you have to be very careful because you think oh will you share that with me and it's shared on WhatsApp but then like if you want to use it for something you can't it's only if you want to look at it really it, yes. but not use it after um, I like Adrian McLaughlin not Mile and Tralee very organised how she has sent the photo as well uh, in focus Dominic Walsh theme walk with me photo details Sunny Valley Hike Beach walk three weeks ago the tide was way out so a good walk out and back was enjoyed put my feet up at the slipway on my return return to soak up the rays and enjoy the view and the media was a Samsung Galaxy Android phone and it is Adrian McLaughlin um, I like the idea of that and 
you can get great images like that looking down a slipway and you know into an horizon like that and it's kind of a real interesting photo isn't it and the shoes in there as well well th- there's a reason for it like w- when you take pictures like now Adrian McLaughlin I know the lady quite well and it's a great picture and she's a very good photographer herself her boots are in the shot which is nice to show that she's been walking you've got the walking boots you get a bit of a theme there yeah, you get a bit right. of an insight yeah, into yeah. it yeah, and you're clever. looking down and the slip brings you on down and if anybody looks at this picture you'll see that there's people walking but they're not part of the photograph but mm. they're in there and mm. they, they mean something and you don't have to focus in on them you know they're there across, across the back the thing about this time of the year is a great time of the year for getting pictures like this because the sun is low the shadows are long and it works very well if you're a photographer taking pictures of like golf clubs and anything with the nukes and crannies and the topography in it like it's a great time of the year to take pictures yeah absolutely wonderful photos Dominic got sent in this month weren't they they were absolutely people should be proud of them because like and, and as the weather wasn't that great great like you know so fair play to them yes they're, you know they're there's a lot the, of storms yeah. and things like that to get out to walk because I was thinking that you know when as the month was going on I was saying geez it's tough for people to actually get out because the evenings are were dark now they're starting to brighten the weather was stormy so they did well to be honest it's very easy as anybody whether you're a photographer or not to walk past something that you have to take a picture of it's very easy to do it it's not that easy when you have to stop think take out your camera your phone position yourself and take it it takes a lot of effort mm. but when you take the effort in and you look at it afterwards you say well it was well worked it yeah you know? brilliant well thanks a million all of you for sending in those wonderful photos Dominic we usually announce our humour photo of the month and our photo of the month so what's our humour photo well, of our the humor month our humour has to be Miss Sheepish Miss Sheepish Sheepish was taken by Bridget O'Connor Bridget O'Connor and, and I liked it yeah. and it worked well and it got my interest and it was just nice and the thing about it is the sheep is full in the frame and it works well and is yeah and it brings a smile to your face and that's what we want the humour photo to bring a smile to our face yes, and our photo of the month for February photo of the month from February I thought composition wise stopping thinking looking at it working out taking a shape they went for a square format as opposed to a rectangle or upright or anything like that you know I mean it has to go to the Glountonastic picture where you have the people walking along on the walkway with the fence and you see the reflection in the water and that was Noel O'Neill yeah, great it's a great fantastic picture. photo isn't it it really is it's it's amazing it's one you have to take a second look at as well isn't it oh it is yeah, yeah. Like, like exactly. you see, as I say you'd nearly think it was a photoshop image it was a mirrored image yeah, but it's absolutely and, fabulous and, Andy, and he sent in some wonderful photos with it as well well done Noel photo of the month now theme for next month Dominic as a photographer I like this time of the year the temperature's changing the light is changing and everybody's out Joe McGill's walking up hills down in uh, South Kerry with his mother-in-law fair play my mother or your mother I apologise I must take my mother-in-law you must take the mother-in-law on that Mary Manny are you listening are you ready for a walk (laughs) (laughs) Joe got up the mountain everybody's out and about now and I think it has to be something to do with spring Mm. now whether it's spring in your step or spring clean or spring wash or or anything you want to do spring is in the air spring is in the air let's Mm. go for spring in the air so and do something like that and get out like that and take a big deep breath look there's loads of places you go as you've seen Deirdre there this morning she took a picture outside her door of the snow coming down you don't have to venture too far or you can venture as far as you want and get him into us we talk about the photographs 
We debate about the photographs. We argue about the photographs. No, we don't. You know, on that. And we just, we absolutely love getting them in. And you're showcasing Ireland across the world. Brilliant. Well, there it is. Spring is in the air. That is your theme for next month. Send them to me, jmcgill at radiocarry.ie. And send them in midday, Wednesday, before the first Saturday of the month. Now, we're going to take a break. And after that, we're going into Dominic Walsh's archive. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you by Virgin Media. Ireland's best broadband. Visit virginmedia.ie. It's playtime. Now, so we're into the final part of In Focus with Dominic Walsh, and this is where we go in to Dominic Walsh's archive. And Dominic, we're going back to 1997. How many years ago is that? 23 and 4. 27 years ago, is it? Well, I was only a young fella. Jeez, you were. I'd tell you about um, So that was, yeah, so um, I remember that well, actually. I was in, would you believe, I was in work experience in Radio Kerry in 97 in transition year. And I went for one week in Radio Kerry and I went for two weeks with Jessica Harrington in the riding stables in Kildare. But I got too tall to become a jockey. Look where I ended up. Huh? Now, we're looking at an amazing photo here. You're flabbergasted with that, Dominic. I am. We're glad <laughs> to have you, Joe. We'd be lost without you. <laughs> Members of the Gardaí and Kerry celebrating their 75th anniversary in Tralee, County Kerry, and pictured outside the Tralee Courthouse in uh, Tralee. Um, there's some amount of uh, guards in this photo. And you yeah. want people to identify all these? I would love to, Joe. As, as a photographer, when I document stuff, and I took this picture on the day, it was a picture on the day that I took, and it was quite important. It was taken, I think now, judging by the, the, the metadata in the picture, because it wasn't great that time. It was taken on the 16th of November, 1997, at 3.16 in the afternoon on that. And what it was, to mark the 75th year of the Guard of Force in Kerry. So what did it was Fred Garvey at the time spoke to me and they had planned to get a group picture of as many guards and detectives and people involved as they could. So they went up along to Ash Street onto the courthouse, stepladder in tow and took the picture. The mistake I made, I didn't chase up afterwards to get as many people as possible named in the picture. But there's a there's a hundred people there, Dominic, is there? Easily. Easily. I just think, um, is it that I'm getting a bit old now? I'd like to be able to you know, leave something behind me in the, an, as an archive like that. Joe, uh, listeners at the moment, is twiddling his <laughs> fingers and counting his fingers and going through the people like that. So, and, I, and I've lost uh, my count now. He's lost his count now, but <laughs> they would be, I think we have the majority. There was a mass held up, I think, in, in St. John's Church that day and they came up and you've got flags in it. People should look at it. Uh, I think that I can just look and there's no power in it. Noel O'Connell is in it. Uh, there's some Jens of the Fitzgeralds there like that and like that, there's a lot of faces there. Anybody now that would have been in the guards for a long time, look at this picture with see faces that you're I recognise one. Um, I'm almost certain it looks to me like Jor uh, Driscoll from Valencia Island, famous Kerry footballer was part of the Golden Years team. That's him there, um, halfway in the photo. One, two, three, four rows back. I reckon that's him on the left there. I could be wrong, but I'm almost certain. It is, yeah. And I, I just think to have those names and to put them into it and to archive it and seal it up and, and have it there like that. Because well, like, if you look at pictures 
and the photographer's gone and, the, and you're looking at a group, it'll just say a group of guards pictured outside the courthouse to mark the 75th anniversary. Wouldn't it be just lovely if all the names were there and if I had all the names? And I have another photograph coming next month that I'm hoping to get the names for as well. It was not taken by me, it was taken by another photographer, but I'm hoping to get the names of that. It was from the FCA, which we shot many years ago on that. So again, I'm trying to bring this up and every now and then I'll bring in a picture like this on that. There's a GA one coming very shortly as well, where I have about another 150 people that I'd like to name. Just something that I think that would be important to people and important to the people that were in the photograph to actually see them. Yeah, very good. And I see an O'Connell man, Balance Skelligs, there as well, the more I look at it. And uh, we're going to put it up there. It's up there on Radio Carry's Facebook page. So can you name them? Start naming them. Um, and uh, Dominic will have. Uh, his answer. There'll be some posts under this that'll be 100 pages long if you try to name them all. But we'll see. Wouldn't it be nice? You're right, Dominic. And uh, it's a great one to um, bring in. But isn't that so important what you're after saying there, though? You know, finding out who's in the photo, because that's often asked. Now, you know, you, there's a lot of um, Facebook pages set up pictures from the past and in different areas and, you know, heritage pages, and they always maybe struggling to name one or two or whatever. And it is good now that they're trying to name them, because someone's going to pass on that could name them all. Yes. And that they're gone then. Correct, yes. You know, so yeah. that is important. Yeah, I see Jim O'Connor's there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, from you now golf club, he's retired now as well like that. I see pictures there. I just think it's, it's very important that we know these because it's just not a face in the crowd. It's a person. It becomes personal when you have a name to relate to it. It just shows the, the way the force has changed over the years as well because there's not a lot of women in the photo. There's just a few. I think at that time they were called Bangardi, wouldn't it? Yeah, that time? yeah, but there's a lot more. Um, oh yes, I'd say yeah. if you were to do it now, there'd be, you know, it'd be a lot different number wise. But uh, Dominic, thanks a million for bringing that in. It's up there now, so let people go, and uh, we'll see this time next month how many you got to name after uh, this. We've put it out to the people of Kerry and beyond. There's a photo up there from 97. How many years did you say they were celebrating in Kerry? That was 75 years. The 75 years. That would make sense, yes. 75 years. So there's a wonderful photo outside the Trudy Courthouse and can you name them? So I presume the plainclothes then are detectives, is it? They would be detectives. Yeah, because or they're, they're not all in the uniform. They're yeah. not all in the uniform, no, on no. that. Okay, very good. Dominic, a pleasure as always. Thanks a million uh, for coming in and we look forward to next month where the theme is Springs in the Air Springs in the Air like Joe as I said Joe it's great for me to come in it's a pleasure for me to come in and deal with listeners and deal with yourself and answer questions listeners like that gentleman about the polarised lens or the, the filter in front of the camera come back to me ask me questions if I can't answer them I will get somebody that will answer them very good I tell you say so you'd bluff it but Dominic never bluffs it he always has the answer <laughs> so well done Dominic so yeah that is true because we have we have an expert here in studio with us so let's make use of Dominic um, that is it for the programme this morning my thanks to Dominic Walsh great as always my thanks to Neve Daly who was on sound and thanks to everyone who contributed thanks many to you for tuning in it's, uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you here every Saturday morning on Radio Kerry France this is on the way so keep it here on Radio Kerry and I'll be back I'll actually be back on Tuesday because I'll be sitting in for Jerry O'Sullivan next week on Kerry Today so up till then look after yourself and take care